Hello, and welcome to Self-Sabotaging Sagas. I am your host and unconscious mind expert, Jenea Barnes. Hello, hello everybody. Welcome to this episode of Self-Sabotaging Sagas. I'm here with Russ Germain. We're going to talk about CPTSD. I think a lot of you have probably heard of PTSD. And they're like, what is this CPTSD thing and do I have it? I'm going to guess more of you have it than you think. And also, you get to learn a little bit about it today and a little bit about some stuff that can be done. So there is room room to celebrate. Russ, why don't you tell us a little bit about your podcast and how you got involved with making this podcast and let's roll. Sure. Okay. Well, um, the title for the most part says it all. Um, I do have ADHD and CPTSD and I was diagnosed with CPTSD back nearly two years ago and seeing a therapist about it. And then back in March, I learned that I'm dealing with ADHD as well and still trying to get the official diagnosis. I'm actually, there's progress that is finally being made to getting there. But in the meantime, it's very blunt. You know, it's pretty obvious that it's there. And the CPTSD I decided back in September to make an ep- make a podcast because I wanted to help people like myself to show them that they're like like themselves if if they're not sure about it if they don't know for sure what they're what they're dealing with and they feel like maybe they're by themselves but they don't have anybody that they can talk to um, they don't maybe they don't have a therapist um, that they're not alone. And I wanted to give my personal experiences that I have in my everyday life to my audience. And I wanted to tell them and tell them about who I am, what I do with like my disabilities uh, during everyday life, uh, through work, relationships, in the holidays, and give them, you know, the feeling that they they too can can deal with this, that it's uh, sure it's a bit of a struggle, but you can get better with the correct uh, help, whether it's from a therapist, whether it's from loved ones who, you know, understand or try to understand what you're, what you, what you're going through and know that you can get better. And it's just a lot of hard work, but you can definitely get better. Um, we are having a little bit of feedback on the audio, so um, that's it will be how it's going to be. But so CPS, CPTSD, for those of you that don't know, is inst- like we think of PTSD as this traumatic incident, and then we have flashbacks from it, and it affects our life. We feel lots of triggers from it. The CPTSD is a repetitive trauma. So trauma that happens over and over. And a lot of times it happens when you're young. Audio issues. My earphone buzz just (laughs) disconnected. We'll see what happens. Um, 
anyway, so repeated trauma and what happens is it creates from a neurological level, having these repeated traumas, even if they're not really huge things, they create strong anchors in your nervous system. And every time it happens, that trigger that anchor because becomes stronger and stronger and you become more and more sensitive to situations that might look like what that traumatic thing is was what's your experience yeah, exactly. about that yeah um the 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 interesting thing Ooh, is i can't that... hear you uh-oh wait oh, that oh. could be me hold on okay Let's see what's going on with my audio. Russ, will you say something and see if I can hear you? Oh, I can hear you. Can you hear me? Yeah. Is there an echo on your end from your voice? Um, No. Okay, great. I I don't hear an echo. Okay, good. Let's roll. Okay, so continue telling me. So, yeah. The the interesting thing about CPTSD is... The trigger, like when when you experience a trigger and you and you're having a flashback from from your trauma, the it doesn't necessarily occur from a, from an event that ha- that did happen in your life. So you could be watching if if you dealt with um, like physical violence and and you were physically abused or and neglected, you could get triggered and experience a flashback just by watching a movie that has violence in it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, like personal violence against a person that can trigger you into having a flashback and believing that you're, you know, you're experiencing a, 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 a reoccurrence of a trauma that you had back when you were a child. Right. And it's, that's one of the things that when I was first learning about this, I didn't realize that that was something that could happen. Um, it's just like PTSD when someone is, has PTSD and they're in a, a, the back of a car goes off and like, and it, and it sounds like a gunshot and they've had PT, PTSD. And so all of a sudden it triggers them into thinking that they may be under fire from, um, from being in the war. So they're, right. they're suddenly they're, they're thinking they're in the, in the middle of a, of a gunfight and, and they don't notice that's happening. So it's, it's similar in that way. That yeah, I could someone could be have CPTSD and watching a movie and a violent scene comes on and all of a sudden it it triggers them into having a flashback and they're thinking and, and they're experiencing uh, they're reliving their trauma that they experienced and it has and it it has nothing to do with what actually is happening on the screen. It's just that can that can occur to, and do that. Right. So it's it's in that way it's fascinating, but it's also it it's can be very scary because unless you're really experienced in it, like if you have a lot of experience and you've had a lot of therapy with regards to your trauma and experiencing your flashbacks, if you're quite new, there's a lot of things that go on in, in the daily world that could trigger you to have a, to have a flashback. And it could be very frightening because if you're not even, you don't realize that this is a potential a trigger, it, you know, it could be very scary for yourself and, and for anybody that is, is around you that doesn't necessarily realize that that's what's happening. Like, it, right. yeah, it's very scary. 
Well, it's interesting. You know, you talk about watching TV and I started flashing back to one of my big traumas that I hadn't remembered yet through, does anybody remember the movie The Accused and the pinball gang rape scene? That was a big thing. And I didn't understand at first what was happening. And you could probably classify this more as PTSD, even though I did have more than one sexual assault trauma when I was little, but I didn't remember either of them. But the movie, even though that's not exactly what happened, the movie triggered flashbacks and started triggering the memories of it. And, um, you know, and from that point on, what starts happening or what started happening, and this is a big thing about any kind of trauma and especially repeated trauma, is moving forward when I was in a situation where um, I was with a man and I got like a little bit of unwanted touch or maybe I was kind of asleep like drunk in college days kind of thing you're sleeping in the same bed somebody's hands wander some stuff like that where normally people would just be like what are you doing dude get off me like that's a normal response but what happens when you have a trigger response is the situation is just similar enough to whatever the traumatic thing was that it flashes your nervous system and your mind right back to where you were the very first time that it happened and you're stuck with the resources you have and typically you will play it out exactly as you played it out. So for me, what I did in my circumstances when I was young is I froze. And so through college and whatever other little incidents that were um, similar, you know, where there was a little bit of potentially unwanted touch, instead of being able to use my words, I froze just like when I was six years old, just like when I was seven years old. So I'm stuck in this loop. It's like a trauma loop. And it brings you right back to having the resources that you had when you were the age that the trauma started to occur, when the trauma started to anchor into your system. And the problem with this is it loops you and it's so hard to get out of it because we start acting like a child when our resources are limited. We can fight, we can fly, we can freeze, we can hide. That's basically what we've got when we're, you know, seven years old and younger. And being stuck there in that place as an adult when it's, could be just a normal situation where it's like some small unwanted touch that normally someone would say, just don't touch me. And it wouldn't be a big deal becomes a really big deal because now I'm flashed back to reliving this trauma. And even though whatever occurred might be pushing a line a bit, but it's not, I'm frozen in this place from the past. And that's, I think right. the danger with, any kind of PTSD or CPTSD. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree with you. Now, you mentioned the freeze, fight, flight, freeze, and the one that I know of well, which is I'm I'm actually very familiar with because it's one of my main Fs is also fawn. Right. Um, fawn is obviously where you tr- you're trying to avoid um, having someone that you love or so that you know. Uh, become upset with you or like get angry. So you try Mm -hmm. to adapt, you try to to please them. So instead of 
instead of arguing, you, you try to do whatever you can. So instead of meeting your own needs, you're mm-hmm. trying to meet their needs or, or forgoing your own needs to make them happy, to avoid a possible trigger or experiencing a flashback. It's, it's one of those ways of, of trying to, uh, you know, not have an experience, like re-experience one of your, tra- your triggers right. and, and having that occur. So that's, that's one of my, I have that tend to happen the most out of all of them. Um, I do, do have a tendency for a freezing because mm-hmm. um, I, one of my problems is confrontation. I cannot stand confrontation. So whenever there's a possible possibility of, of being conf- having confrontation with someone, I can get triggered. And then, you know, I'm all of a sudden, instead of the adult being there, talk, you know, trying to have a conversation with an adult, the, the, my child part is instead talking and he's taken over and the adults blended with him. And stuff that a child would say, like a six-year-old child to like talking like he's talking to his mother or he's, or he's looking for help or he's looking for something. And the meanwhile, your partner's sitting there going, what the, like, why are you talking like this? You know, if, if they're not aware, it, it can look really unusual and, and, and it can be very uncomfortable. So communication in my opinion, for when it comes to this sort of thing is really important if you're, if you're ever in a relationship with someone and you, you have CPTSD, you need to be upfront with, with your partner about this. Cause if, if that person isn't aware, like if they have no idea that this is even a thing, you could, you have potential to, to unnecessarily destroy a, a relationship because for all they know, you're well. For you're not well, right? And so, if, if you don't communicate this, it's you're going to have a difficult time having any sort of success in a relationship. That's what well, I've learned. Well, it's interesting too because you know I think communication is obviously very important, and understanding when we're in a trauma loop. I'll just call it a trauma loop because I feel like yeah. that makes perfect sense, right? You're just looped back to wherever the place is. And, you know, most people, what they start doing and fawning is absolutely in a way, it's kind of like hiding. It's like trying to make the situation so that it's invisible so that you don't end up with um, whatever happened before. So you're trying to prevent, you're constantly locked in this place of trying to prevent whatever happened before from happening again. And it translates into your behavior all the time because you have a part of you that's always trying to prevent, it's trying to prevent what you don't want. And it's focused on what you don't want. And when our mind, when our unconscious mind is focused on what we don't want, focusing your it doesn't understand the word not it's just seeing the images of the flashes of the things that we don't want if i say i don't want to be hit again your mind flashes a flash of being hit so your mind over and over if your mind is looped into this place of trying to prevent that oh my gosh i don't want this i don't want this i don't want this but you're flashing you're flashing you're flashing through your mind everything that you don't want it means it's what you're focused on and so then your unconscious mind what it does it really wants to help you get what you want but it only has your emotions and the images you flash through your mind to go for and it's like russ 
I keep seeing you, you keep showing me this vision of something. So I'm going to help you get it. So this is a big part of why we tend to draw those similar things or have repeats of our trauma because our unconscious mind isn't understanding that that's what we don't want. It's looped into this survival mode of trying to prevent it. So it's tracking for it, but because it's tracking for it, it's noticing every possibility where it exists, which means that you're literally kind of being drawn towards it again and again and again. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I agree. That's it is in a, in a in the same way, you know, in a different wording. Um, my like people with CPTSD when as as they learn about this and as you know they they get diagnosed and and they're they start to learn about all the little parts in this and the there's how their system works. It's, it's can be very frightening because they don't understand, like they're, they're learning about how the child, like the child part was born, like it comes at an early age and, and it's there to protect. Right. So Mm -hmm. it's the same. It's a very similar where that child part is trying to protect you. And in order for you to start healing, you can't, ignore that like you can't just like first off you get blended with your with your parts and if if you don't if you're not aware of it you can't you can't start healing and in order to heal you have it's like being a parent to your child part right Mm -hmm. if you can be a parent to that child part then it will start to gain your like you, you start to gain their trust because if you can't do any healing without your parts trusting you because they, they're not in real time, right? They're they're They don't think as far as they're concerned, they're at the time or the year when they, when they came mm-hmm. to be. So I have parts from the mid eighties that when they come online and, and I get triggered and, and I'm experiencing my flashback, they think it's, I think I'm like five, six years old and they don't see like, because of the neural connections that aren't established, there's no way to really communicate and say, Hey, look, buddy, I realize that you think I'm in danger. Like the, yeah, I'm experiencing this, this trigger. There's, there's past trauma that occurred and I'm trying to show them and, and update them to say, I understand you've been hurt. Like, like you, you, this feeling that you're having is, is valid. It's warranted. But at the same time, your goal is to to gain their trust so that you can tell them, hey, look, I'm today. I'm the adult. I'm I'm in charge of my life. I'm I decide who does what, who says what, who I'm with. I'm in control. You're safe. Right. And you got to And it's not like you can just sit them down and say, hey, it's we're okay," And they're going to go. All right. And and just stop getting triggered it it's just you have to it's just like a, a child you know like if if you meet somebody new you have to gain their trust you're not going to get it overnight it's the same same way of doing things it's just that you have to connect with them and you have to you have to feel what they're feeling and then listen to them because 
you know, when you when you meet somebody new to gain their trust, you have to listen to them and 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 show them that you're you understand that you're there for them, that you can you can see what they're seeing, you can feel how they're feeling, and then they start to go, this person is trustworthy, and then you can move forward and start the healing process. It everybody's like all all the different theories out there have are, are similar but they all lead towards the one thing is that is is healing and like gaining your 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 part trust so that you can heal and it takes the the amount of effort that you got to put into this is is a lot but it's so worth it and as long as you have someone there who who understands and and you can feel trust in it makes it so much easier being alone with this is is probably the hardest thing in the world because you how who do you know how to trust right if you can't trust yourself if your parts are having a hard time trusting you how do you know who to trust <laughs> well it's funny i i laugh because i've been doing a lot of work with my clients and doing work that's based on work that i've done with myself and you know i did 10 years of therapy 10 years of therapy for me not that this is everybody's experience and I had some really great therapists, but for me, it did nothing to heal my trauma. Of course, I also didn't right. talk about my trauma too much, but I still, the behaviors that I was having, it didn't, I didn't change much. I had greater understanding. So that was for me. So I went up, but I knew, I knew that somehow that there had to be a way to feel better. And I kept everything bottled up. Nobody ever knew that I was suffering. I was really good at that. And so <laughs> I, you know, I had for, uh, I mean, I had multiple kinds of trauma. Like the short list is my best friend was a junkie. When I was four years old, I held his hand while he died of an overdose. I, the babysitter's kids used to tie me up and lock me in the closet and leave me there overnight. I had two sexual assaults, one of them very violent when I was young. And anyway, I was almost abducted four times, three times before the age of eight. And so I had lots of stuff. So I have lots of like stuff going on, lots of parts. Parts are born um, from significant emotional events. So it can be one or it can yeah. be repeated more and more. And what happens, this is a big thing, what happens even with schizophrenia is when you have the repeated trauma over and over, the part breaks off more and more and the boundary between the whole of you and the part becomes thicker and thicker. This is why some people that are schizophrenic, they can literally have diabetes when they're operating from one part and be perfectly, the body's perfectly healthy when they don't. And they've done tests on that. So in my quest, I started doing all of the things. And my first probably sort of introduction, I think, to parts was I did a shamanic healing. And I come back with little G, little G on my lion totem right in the back. And the shaman's like, you can come back. You can bring little G back with you from this place, this magical place that we were. And you can be there for her and reparent her. And I remember starting a relationship and I would kind of see her in my mind's eye off to the side. And she was like, he's going to hurt you. 
you can't trust him, like all of these things. And I just have to be like, little G, it's going to be okay. He's not like the last one or the one before that. This is a different person because what the mind sees, it sees something similar. And a lot of our triggers come from love and relationships because yeah. we learn about love in from our parents. And so yeah. those things, those things attached to love and that need and want and craving for love will trigger those trauma loops from the past. It's also a yeah. big place to heal. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, I, that's, that's so correct. Like I've, I, because of the way I grew up, um, I had, well, I'm sure a lot of us from the time of like the seventies and the eighties, mm -hmm. uh, we grew up in a, in an age where corporal punishment wasn't frowned upon. Right. right? Like, mm -hmm. but today, if, if that was, yeah, if that was today, it'd be like, Oh my God, social services like take their child away. But yeah. back in the, back in the, in that day, it was considered an acceptable form of punishment. And I, I remember when I first, you know, I, I hadn't thought about it in ages because it, it, it's been such a long time, but when the, when they started talking about how it was bad and, and what it does to children. And I, you know, I would think back and, and going, yeah, I re I recall how many times that it would happen. Like it happened to me, you know, right. and my, my parts came from, because I was, I was growing up as a, as a little kid and, and my parents believed in, in that kind of discipline and, and unbeknownst to me, you know, like I, I didn't, I thought I was, I was being bad. Like I, I really thought I was, I, there was a problem with me. And so I, instead of, instead of going and saying, okay, like what's why is this happening it's it was just in free enforced and it scared me right like instead mm -hmm. of thinking okay like the the whole idea of the discipline is obviously is to teach the child that this what you what if you get in trouble this is how you stop it it's right. one thing like i i know that some parents it would be like a I don't know, like a single slap on, on the butt or like yeah. with, with the pants on. And, and, and it, and it was just a simple thing just to teach them. Whereas I know some parents like, like my own was, it was, it was pretty intense and it literally created a part because mm -hmm. the whole purpose of it was to go, I have to do everything I can in my power yep. to avoid this. Yep. So it would, and it, and it's amazing when you, when you, when I reflect and I go back at how the different things, all the different things that would occur and all the parts that came like, like lying to, to try and stop it. And, and then the trying to learn how to communicate and then realizing that even if you were being honest, it, it didn't necessarily matter. So you start to learn that it's easier to pretend and to, and to make things up rather than being, you know, telling the truth because right. telling the truth didn't necessarily get you in the right direction. Mm -hmm. So, and then it, and then it, it goes throughout wanna, your entire life. I want to interject right there. Cause something you said is really important. You, so you, in order to try and prevent the thing, 
you another part of you starts to lie to help save you, right? It's like the part that's trying to keep you safe. So what happens, then you have this part of you that's a liar. And then you have the, you know, so you've got these different parts. And when you have parts of you that are things like a liar or want revenge on your abuser, uh, what starts to happen, and this is, I think, really important because I think one of the biggest saboteurs of life is self-worth. And then we're all taught that we're supposed to be good. And we all feel in our heart, in our core, we all feel like we're good people. And we are. And then we have these parts of us that are like a liar. So if the part of us is a liar, then we think part of us is bad. And therefore that diminishes our self-worth. And so not only do we have these triggers, but we start to form parts of us that we don't like because we start doing stuff that's malicious or nefarious to avoid the punishment. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, and exactly. And I, you don't realize these things later on in life, you know, like you're, because not everybody is going to, like, something has to occur for the, to suddenly know that this, like, that you have this, or like, you know, most people don't necessarily grow up and, and know that they got CPTSD. They don't know that they have that. It's, something in their life down the road suddenly comes up like it, you get a trigger from something uh, and then all of a sudden now you ex- are experiencing all these emotions and you're experiencing these these behaviors and you, 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 exactly like you said like you the the creating the lying and the and the manipulating or the or the the, the your behaviors to avoid a punishment or to avoid conflict like i i do you you always think you you don't really know you don't quite understand why is this happening right and then mm-hmm. and then as you go through your therapy and you start to to see that oh because i was at this age this was happening and i and i it was so frightening i had to come up with this plan i had i came up with this way of 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 deflecting the punishment or avoiding the punishment and and all of a sudden you're like me, 43 years old and, and you're, and you're doing it in, in your, in your daily life and in your, in your relationship. And all of a sudden you're, you're lying to your partner and, and you're going, but I, you know, you don't, you don't fully get it. And, and you're trying to explain to them, well, I don't think that way. I don't feel that way. And then right. they're, you're, and you're going, and it's confusing because you're, because you're, you're sitting there going, what like why and before and then you start then when you start to figure it out and you start to learn you're you're suddenly going oh i get it like mm-hmm. i see now it 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 was it wasn't i'm not a, I, i'm i'm not a person who lies i'm i just happen to there's this part and there's or there's this trauma mm-hmm. that i'm experiencing and and in order for to, to protect, I'm, I'm experiencing a flashback and it thinks it's it, in order for me to protect me, I have to, I have to lie. I have to make up something in order to, to avoid the conflict or avoid the, 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 right. the, the, the trauma again. And when, and 
it's it's super scary and it's extremely stressful and it's amazing the amount of anxiety it creates but on the bright side is the fact that you you learn about it and you know you suddenly go oh i see now you can start it's that building process right? right and you can you can start to to realize as you get more and more understanding of of the trauma and understanding of your condition now you're suddenly sitting there going i don't i don't need to do that right. like there are other ways like i don't have like my parts they don't need to lie for me they don't need to make things up there's like they don't realize who's where they are. They don't know that the adult, the person that they're, they're trying to protect can, can, well, should be able to protect themselves. Like they, like can, can make the right decisions know that is that they don't need to, to lie. They don't need to make up something in order to, to protect themselves, that they can be honest, that they are safe and being safe is the, is the biggest priority like right. in any trauma ptsd or cptsd being safe is huge it's the number one objective of the unconscious mind across the board ptsd cptsd or not it's the number one objective of the unconscious mind is to preserve the body yes exactly and if and if the and if you don't know what's going on it's very difficult to you know because yeah your your system's trying to protect you but because it's a child, it doesn't it doesn't know that what it's doing, even if though it's it deems it to be helpful to be safe, it has no idea that what it actually is doing is causing more like difficulty. Yeah. <laughs> you know, like right. it's causing problems in relationships. It's causing it it can be causing problems in your work. It, you you could lose your job because you you know your system is is behaving in a way that that is it thinks it's protecting you but in reality it just made you lose your job because you know you you, until you know what's going on it's difficult to to yeah a big piece of it is outdated programming and unprocessed emotions so I have a lot I've done a lot of things like I said I did all of the things and I don't have any real flashbacks anymore. I don't have any of that stuff going on. And when I started finding stuff that worked, I started studying it. So how I became the unconscious mind expert that I am today, because I wanted to be free. So what have you found so far that has actually really worked and made your life dramatically better? Oh, Grounding tools. That's the big one. Um, I, my first few months with therapy, when, when this was brand new, um, the one thing that my therapist always was talking about and always wanted me to do was grounding tools, you know, cause you, it's, it's a way of, of uh, giving the adult a chance to reconnect to the world instead, you know, to un, to unblend because you're blended with those parts. So your, your parts and you are believing the same thing. You're thinking the way your parts are thinking. And if you can ground, like if you can to unblend the, the, they say the best way is to, is to do grounding because it allows you to give your system the chance to step away. Like you step back and instead of, cause 
if if you don't ground, it's very difficult to 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 see what reality is actually happening. And so the grounding was 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 such a huge thing. And there's and the nice thing about it is there's so many different grounding tools for the situation. Mm-hmm. Like you don't have to just do one tool because I remember I would get I would walk into a Walmart and the the crowd and the atmosphere and just the intensity of everything around me would would trigger me. Right. And I would be blended and I couldn't I wasn't I was basically useless to 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 who I was with because and I'd be off and, and zoning out and going off my own, looking at everything, not you know, running into people, being in the way. And I remember saying to him, yeah, I'm, I, I walk into a, to a, to a grocery store and I'm done. And he goes, well, you should, you can do a number of things. You could, before you walk into the store, you could, you could do a grounding tool. You could, you could step back and do some, some deep breathing. You could, you could just, and you can like examine like hypervigilance, right? You can, you could examine everything around you and take a moment and just kind of like check in, see, you know, make sure that, that, you know, that you're, you're okay. Like, and then you could do like he, the one, the one tool that was, is really successful that I've loved is the, is the five senses tool mm-hmm. where you do hearing, you know, you check, you see what, what is, what are you hearing around you? What, what sort of noises are, are surrounding you? And then you identify them, like you speak out loud and you identify the noises and then you, you look around and, and you can say like, what, show me five things or name five things that are a certain color. So if there's a lot of blue, you could go and look for different blue items and, and name them out. And then you can smell what, what smells are in the air that, that are familiar right. that, you know, like, especially if you're in a grocery store, that's perfect because there's all these different right. scents. Have, have you found that that specific tool will break you out of a trauma loop? Yes, it does, because it allows me to step back. Like, it, it's like kind of like a shock to the system, right? Like, in a way, like you're the, the, the noises and the sights, like if you're focusing on the sights and the taste yeah. and, or not that, well, you could do that, but so touching things and it, it, it helps break me out because you have to focus in order to, to do this tools, you have to be able to focus right. and, you know, if, and if you're blended, it's, it's very difficult to, to properly do that. So I would suspect that one of the big reasons that that tool works because what happens is your unconscious mind is tracking for the things that it's seen before. So it's looking for, you know, two to three things that look familiar like the other things. And in that circumstance, when you're picking out five different colors, you're picking out this senses. So what you're essentially doing is you're showing your unconscious mind that it is not the same situation. And because of that, then it's breaking you out of the trauma loop. It's, interesting so you've got tools what and i think about all of the different things that i've done and the ones the things that made a difference somatic experiencing and healing did some did some helpfulness because it helped move the um the emotions it completed the fight and flight cycles and that ended the like trauma in my body um, combo, which is a Amazonian frog medicine, 
frog poison. He would administer it through um, your skin and it infiltrates the lymphatic system. I was using it for other purposes and I noticed after a while, I'm like, whoa, a bunch of my traumas don't have an emotional charge anymore. So that was supportive. And then I sat to my ayahuasca ceremonies that took some charge and brought some agency back to my mind um, in some of my ceremonies. But really the things that worked are the tools that I use currently. And that's, I do some timeline work to help process the past emotions and give your past selves the resources that you needed to be able to handle the circumstance so that you can actually process the emotions and then you bring it through your timeline and it eliminates all the triggers. And that's like part one. Yeah. Part two really becomes about bringing the part out of that survival mode. And this is the most profound stuff that I've been doing because that part is tracking. It's trying to do whatever it can to prevent what it doesn't want to happen. And processing the emotions sometimes will, the triggers will be gone, but you might still have some of the behavior. So taking the part and breaking it from this place of, survival mode and trying to prevent what it doesn't want and bringing it to this place of neutral, which for a lot of these trauma parts, it's like to live. I want to live. And that like feels neutral and all the fear goes away. And then we break it into what's possible. And by doing that, you're now, the part is broken into what's possible we integrate it back with the whole of you so it's funny you're talking about you know they're blended before and now you want to separate them so you can sort of have a little bit more agency around them it sounds like and then i want to break them out of survival mode bring them to possibility mode and then reintegrate them back with the whole it grows them up basically yeah, like it, at some point you do, in a way, integrate, reintegrate them. And because they are parts, they're like separate pieces in the mind, right? Mm -hmm. So if, over, your, over the work that you do and, you know, you, you do your four-step process, you, you unblend, you, you feel their emotions, you feel what they're, what they're going through, and then you listen to to what their concerns are or what their fears are. And then if you've, if you're gaining them trust, you can attempt to update. And every time, like the multiple times over the, the month or the year or however long it may work to do that, every time you are updating, you're, you're building those new connections from, from mm -hmm. the adult to the part. And then, you know, you are slowly integrating so that, the next time, hopefully that you do experience that, that flashback and that, and you get triggered that instead of the, the, the part being the one that's the, uh, that's behaving and speaking and, and doing the actions, the adult will under, will acknowledge and will see that the parts there and that the part is, is trying to protect you, but you'll be able to step back and say, I see you there. Thank you. You know, you're, you, I see what you're doing. You're trying to help me. Thank you very much. But I'm okay. I'm. It's. I'm in. I'm in control. I'm. 
I'm feeling good and, and we're going to, we're going to get through this. And so that the part doesn't come online and take over. That's the ultimate goal is to be able to recognize that there's a trigger and that you're feeling it, but instead of getting all enwrapped in it, then you're able to stay as the adult through the trigger until you become, you know, you become, you're no longer blended or no longer in that flashback. Is now, is the ultimate goal to be able to navigate the trigger and navigate the part or is the ultimate goal to just not have it happen at all anymore? Well, yeah, they, the ultimate goal, they say you can eventually, they, over time, you can be healed so that it doesn't occur. <laughs> I want to know who's they. Well, the, okay, like the, the experts who, the, on certain, the, the theories that are out there, there is the discussion that if, if you do the work and, you know, you work hard and you work with your parts and, and you update them properly, like over and over and, and they reintegrate and you, and you build those, those neural pathways in your mind that you can heal to the point where you shouldn't experience these traumas anymore, like the triggers, and you won't experience the flashbacks. That's what they say you can achieve. It's not going to be like a year, right? It, it'll t it takes a while, but it's... What if it took two hours? Well, it, if, if it can be two hours, that's, that's fantastic. But <laughs> everybody's got their own different um ideals on this is uh, during on their research and what they uh, what they put out there in the media for people to read so um some some doctors out there think that we'll never prop you know we'll never fully uh, be away from the triggers and from the flashbacks and then some think that it you could heal if 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 the enough work has been done and you you know you get there it's i guess it depends on on who's whose theory and whose information you know you know what i would love to do if you're open to this i would love to do a session and integrate one of your parts not on camera or anything and then have you come back and tell us what your experience of that is because the work i'm doing with people is clearing that stuff in one session i okay, mean I'd be i mean when I work with people, I work with, with generally with them for a longer period of time but, and we work on multiple different things and we get to like source root causes of stuff. Um, but I'd love for you to think of a specific trigger that affects your life on the daily that we could get rid of. Yeah, I can think of, I can think of one for sure. <laughs> okay. I can definitely think of one. <laughs> All right. I mean, I would just love to do that because what for traditional psychotherapy, and this is why I started running around trying to do all of the things, because I, I just knew there had to be a better way. And there really isn't through traditional psychotherapy. It's right. It's like, understand it, push through it, reuse your conscious mind, push through it. And if you do it enough times, hopefully the unconscious will let go and it'll integrate and it'll be fine. And you've said the words over and over, if you work hard enough, if you keep working at it, and um, don't get me wrong, we do work in the session, but after that, you're free. There's, 
the the theory that I find to be the most like it's obviously not, nothing. Everything isn't for everybody. Some people do better mm-hmm. with other. You know, it, it, that's normal. That's depends on who what works best. But the one that I find to be the the nice, the best working uh, like theory when it comes to this the whole processing and 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 getting better is to not treat your parts like they're that there's something wrong like that totally. they're bad or yeah like being compassionate with your parts yes yes i appreciate that you're doing this like yes. i i like that you're trying to help me that you're trying to protect Absolutely. me i it's valid there's there's definite there's a lot of valid reason you know for it and you you don't want to show them or treat them as if they're bad you don't exactly. want them to, you don't want to say, Oh, those, those stupid parts, they did right. it again. I'm it's their, it's their fault. You, it's, you, you have to, you give them the, the love and the compassion that, that they didn't get, which is the whole point. 100%. Yeah. Why they are, because they, they didn't get what they, they deserved when they were young. Like when, yeah. when I was a, a five-year-old kid or a four-year-old kid and I, and something happened to the TV and I said to my dad, I didn't do anything. It wasn't, I had nothing to do with this. And he goes, I don't believe you. And next thing you know, I'm going, no, no, don't. And right. And, yeah. and, and you go, and you sit there and you go, well, what, what good is, is me saying, dad, I swear to you, I didn't touch the TV. And he goes, nah, I don't, I don't believe you. Like you, I, I have to say to that part, I believe you, 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 I know you didn't do this. I believe you, you're, you're, you were not a bad part. You did a, you, you know, like it, it, it's one of those things that I, cause I, there's a, there is a theory out there that is like, like almost like in a way saying, I disagree with that. I, those parts, you know, like, like I, I'm not going to name it necessarily, but. I know I I've had situations in the past where I had a part that would, that, that did something for me. And I'm, and I remember saying, well, I don't understand. I want this. I didn't want to not do this. Like this was, this was awesome. This was safe. This was good. But my part got in, would, would, would say no and was trying to protect me. And I keep going, I, I don't get it. Why would the part who's, protecting me stop something good from happening it it, it was it was like you just you, you kind of go huh <laughs> like and then you then you realize that there's a reason for it it's not they're not just 
you know, they're kids, they're children. They don't, they don't know, like they don't have an adult perspective. So they can't see from, from your point of view saying, look, this is, this is a good thing. This is safe. This is healthy. All they go is, is they, is they see something that they believe is dangerous. So they step in and they, and, and, and you gotta under, you gotta, you got to see it from their point of view in order to be able to start. If, if you can't see it from their point of view, you're not going to get very far. Totally. Absolutely. 100%. Russ, why don't you tell us a little bit where they can find your podcast, how they can reach out to you. Sure. Tell, tell, tell the people all the things. Okay. Um, well, I've, my web, the course, my podcast is living with ADHD and CPTSD. Um, I'm on pretty much all the platforms. Um, the most popular ones are Spotify and Apple podcasts. Um, then there's, you can also find the links to any of the platforms on my website, um, living with ADHD and cptsd.ca. Uh, I am on Twitter, uh, and I'm actually quite active. Uh, I like to express uh, my information, you know, thoughts, and and try to help people, uh, give them information and, and friendly advice. Um, yeah. I've I've got my own Facebook page, of course, which which everything is there. So I'm I'm pretty much out on all the all the platforms. Uh, I just started. Um, well, my my program that allows me to do the podcast just started doing the the monetization. It, you know, it so I'm actually able to do subscribers and have bonus footage and and extra. In, you know, it's which is really great. So I'm putting I'm recording myself on video, and so the neat thing is people get to see my behaviors while I'm recording. Because as as we all know, you can't see what people are doing, and I, I like I'm one that moves around a lot and um, fidgeting, and and it's hard to sit still. So you don't get to see that on a, in in a podcast. So it's kind of neat footage. And as I stated at the beginning, I am going to be doing my podcast on YouTube as well, and you know, extra little things. Like I, I do two episodes a week. Um, I have uh, on Fridays I do my ADHD podcasts, different topics. Um, I'm always looking for information or, or ideas or, you know, uh, input so that I can, you know, talk about something that is important to somebody. And then on Saturdays, I do my CPTSD episodes. Um, and it's, yeah, it's a lot of fun. And actually, I've, I've, the, the neatest thing about it is it's almost like my own therapy session when I do my, when I do a podcast, because I, I learn a lot as I'm doing it. So I get, I get little, like, I get excited and I, and I start to, to see my own, I I go, Hey, you know what? I'm talking about this and it's making sense in my own head. And I'm going, wow. And after the podcast, I'm like, gee, (laughs) this I could use this in my own world because you know it's it's mostly about my own experiences, but I also like to to research and, and and look up information to provide to my listeners so that if there's something that they want to know or if if they're looking for advice, like one of my podcasts, I had oh about twelve or so different grounding techniques that they could use, and a lot of them were from people who had come up with their own. 
And I'm like, these are really good. People should know about these. So I wanted to inform people. Awesome. I love all of that. And when we do our when we do our session, we're going. I'm going to put it on the back end of this podcast, so when the podcast is a podcast and not just a video, people will have that because people like the instant gratification. Wait, how did it go? What happened? <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that's the thing. Dopamine, right? It, I I I love dopamine because. If, if I don't get it, I can lose interest. I can get bored. So I love that dopamine hit. And, and the more I can get, the, the, the better I feel. But it it's, can get addictive. <laughs> right? Totally. All right. So, and you guys can reach out to me um, on JeneaBarnes.com, G-E-N-E-A-B-A-R-N-E-S.com. And you can book a free step-up call to explore whether maybe we're a fit to work together. Obviously, you know that I work on some of the CTTSD stuff and trauma. I transform beliefs. I change all that stuff that sneaks in and sabotages you. Well, thank you so much, Russ. You're welcome. Well, it was a pleasure being on the show. This was great. I'm excited to do a little bit of work. I hope you all learned something. And we will see you all next time. All right. Excellent. All right. Bye, everybody. Thank you for taking the time to listen to this episode of Self-Sabotaging Sagas. If you enjoyed it, please take a moment, give it a rating, pass it along to your friends, follow it. These actions help other people find this podcast, and I, of course, greatly appreciate it. Thanks again, and have a beautiful day.